Hello and welcome to FGC Philosophy. I'm Tavian the Philosopher Napier and this is where I focus on leveling up inside and outside the virtual arena. Uh, of course I'm a big fan of fighting games so that's why I called it FGC Arena but since then uh, this podcast has grown to cover multiple topics not just because I have multiple interests but also because I work in the esports industry and it's hard for me to not talk about it and I just don't feel like making a new podcast. Uh, but nonetheless, we got a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, today I'm going to be following up with some more Capcom talk, talking about their, their license agreement for tournaments, but also talking about the unfun part of esports and that includes being an authority figure, uh, doing some tedious work. Uh, I feel like a lot of times people want to talk about all the glamorous stuff, but sometimes you need to talk about the things that aren't fun, uh, the day-to-day stuff, the things that... Uh, people just don't want to talk about as often just because and I want to share some of that with you guys because uh, spring break I had to do a lot of tedious stuff so I figure I might as well talk about it I've been talking about the accountability through content concept uh, and as such I want to follow up on some things that I've been working on and will be working on for the rest of this week uh, before spring break ends I got one more day left I'm recording this on Saturday Uh, hopefully this will be edited on Sunday and uploaded on Monday we shall see (laughs) but nonetheless before I get into all that of course I have updates and a few other things I want to talk about first um i don't know how someone found my patreon because i don't think i even put the link on there anymore maybe from an old youtube video but thank you for whoever is uh in like thank you to the people that are joining my patreon i really appreciate you guys uh yeah the link is patreon.com slash philosopher you can go there and support me if you'd like right now i don't have any specific uh like tiers and what they are is more so you can just donate what you want uh, and any very little bit definitely helps towards me doing this more uh, but I still haven't figured out what the heck I want to do with my Patreon just yet so I haven't really been advertising it too hard but if you want to by all means I'm not going to stop you uh, thank you guys so much uh, but also I want to say thank you to someone who messaged me the other day uh, I'm going to call them R just for the sake of uh, an- anonymity I didn't ask for their permission per se and hopefully they're okay with this and that's why i'm not saying their their full name uh but i kind of had a rough weekend um i had a rough day i'll say there was one day where someone that i really cared about said something that was incredibly disappointing and it it affects a lot of people and i'm trying to process that right now and as such i was really really down um you know my wife was you know i was hanging out my wife we watched dune and uh, she's making me feel better about the whole situation. But even still, it's just a really crappy situation. And maybe in the future, once it's more resolved, I'll talk more about that. But for now, I wanted to read this message and uh, just show appreciation for, for people who, who reach out to me and say these sort of things. Because uh, I'm always weird about this sort of stuff. But I feel like this is the reason why I do it. This is the reason why I do this podcast, why I work so hard to better myself and try to be an example for others. So if I don't acknowledge this kind of stuff and talk about it, uh, then I'm doing myself and others a disservice by by doing this. So I don't want to pe- make people think I'm bragging about it, but I just want to share the story and hopefully uh, you find somebody, you know, as a listener that, that resonates with you, right? Um, or you become that person that inspires somebody else. So that said, let me, let me try to read this as best as I can. I'm a terrible reader, but I'm going to do it anyway. So again, from R, it says, hi, I'm a high school senior that recently found your podcast through Spotify. Also, I'm on Spotify if you didn't know that. Uh, I've had an obsession with your episodes recently as I found myself listening on the way to and from school uh, during some of my classes, which uh, hopefully it's like <laughs> not a, a class where you, you know, like homeroom or something like that, whatever it may be, like a study class. I know some people have that, so make sure you're, if you're doing your classwork first. I don't want to encourage you to be unproductive, but nonetheless, <laughs> I digress. 
uh, listening to it at lunch, and uh, I really wanted to let you know how much I really appreciate your podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, I find myself finding common interest as you, as well as indirectly guiding me to the path I want to take after high school, which, again, that's a hard thing to do, uh, so I'm glad to be a help in that. As I go on. I've gone through a few traumatic experiences throughout my life, and I've gone through many ups and downs and eventually prioritized my growth mentally and have gotten in a better state now, which is good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I go on uh, to go on. I've converted my, my traumas into career paths, uh, wanting to become a school counselor therapist, and at many times, I have strong feelings of self-doubt. Listening to how you overcome these thoughts and portraying it in a way that I can understand has been a very insightful thing to me lately. Uh, thank you. I've even had some troubles in the FGC about joining tournaments because of fear or of embarrassment, even though I know in the back of my mind that it would, it would further my growth and teach me better than anything else would right now. Uh, you've become a detrimental part of my self-care, and I cannot express how much this means to me, especially since I've grown up with the mindset that I should be stoic and suck it up. Uh, you've been very huge. You've been a very huge inspiration to me, and I will spread your word among my friends and family. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate that message. That that made my day. That really, really made my day. So thank you so much, uh, R. Um, I, I I wanted to reach out to you, but I read this like right before I was going to record, and I just uh, the day, or the day before I recorded, I read it, no, the day of, the day of, today. I read it today, this morning, and I'm recording now in the evening after doing some work at the arena, uh, and yeah, I just, I, I appreciate that. That made my day. I I mean, there's there's some stuff that I could talk about here with being stoic. Of course, uh, for people who only listen to me, you might not know that I'm black. <laughs> so my mom is from uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey, and my dad's a Jamaican immigrant, so I'm, I'm first generation on my dad's side. And uh, my dad's a very stoic individual. I, I kind of tried. Uh, I was a very opposite of that when I was a kid. I was a cryberry, a cryberry. I was a crybaby, <laughs> cryberry. <laughs> I was a cryberry. <laughs> I was very insecure. I got bullied a lot because I was a gentle giant, quote unquote. Um, but at the same time, as I got older and got into martial arts and boxing and other things, uh, I started to develop my own self confidence from different father-like figures. My own father definitely was a father figure for me, but he didn't really, uh, he, he didn't give me everything I needed to grow and mature as a person, as, as me, as the philosopher, as, as Tavian. Um, but I definitely looked up to him and a lot of people around me had that mentality that you're supposed to be stoic. You're not supposed to show your emotions. You're supposed to be a man, right? Um, regardless of what you think of that, that's just the reality I lived in. That was what I was supposed to do. So I, this really resonates with me, and I kind of, I, I get what you're saying, where, you know, this kind of relates to you. And that's that's great to hear. Um, and I know I've talked about going to tournaments and being insecure and, and that kind of stuff, so I'm glad that that's resonating with you. Uh, I want to reiterate the fact that, you know, you got to get out of your comfort zone if you want to grow. That's, that's with anything in life, whether it be something that seems so unimportant, like a video game, which they're very important to me, fighting games, uh, lots of games, uh, but also in your career, figuring out who you are and being okay with saying, I don't know what I want to do yet, but I'm going to figure it out, you know? Uh, and also taking your past traumas, I've done very much the same thing where I I've worked on myself and I've recognize a lot of things in myself that I want to help other people with. So I'm glad that cycle is continued where I'm turning my past traumas into something to help other people and help myself. And, and now you are going down that similar path. So again, 
that means so much to me. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't want to go on too much about this, but I just, I really wanted to highlight that. So thank you so much. Of course, you can reach out to me on social media if anyone wants to say anything to me. Um, this individual reached out to me on Discord, which I appreciate. I think I post that as well. I think I usually do. So uh, either way, thank you. And well, let's go on to the next thing. So a few life updates for me. Uh, again, I'm on spring break. I think I mentioned that earlier. Uh, I still had a couple of side jobs, but for the most part, I've just been relaxing, um, doing a lot of tedious work, which I'll get to in a little bit. Uh, but also, one of the really awesome things is that I got to do my online local and I got to go to my actual in-person locals, uh, both of them this week. I, I haven't been able to do it this whole semester. Um, I haven't been able to do my online tournaments since the start of this semester, and I haven't really been able to consistently go to my local since last semester in September. Um, and I will admit that that has really contributed to some depression and just, I don't, I don't know the word for it, but just missing my family, so to speak. And I, I don't think I realized how much it affected me until I got to go there and see everybody and play games uh, and see my people on my online tournament. So uh, also I joined the tournaments. I joined the Street Fighter tournament for my online local. Uh, I wound up getting uh, third with Kareen the whole entire way. I, I'm a Fong main, but I'm trying to just, you know, get out of my comfort zone. Played Kareen the whole entire way and got third place, and I'm really proud of my performance um, against some really strong players. And then I got second in the Guilty Gear Strive tournament, and I was really happy with that. The only person that beat me, uh, they, they're they a really strong Milia player named Teddy Treebark, and uh, I don't feel bad about that at all. I definitely wasn't free. <laughs> I ran into him early on in winter side bracket. I had to fight his twin brother first, then I had to fight him. Um, his, his brother, uh, Pace, is actually a Kai main, Kai Kisuke. And <laughs> after I lost, I basically 3-0'd everybody. Uh, Guilty Gear Strive is the best 3 out of 5 format. And I ran through everybody. And, like, I just had this very stoic, like, angry murder face the whole entire time I played. I was like, I'm not losing until I get back to this guy. Because he, he, he was the only person that I legitimately just wanted to fight in a tournament environment. Uh, I, I love uh, tournament settings, scenarios, the, the feeling of it, the heart racing, the, the nervousness. I love all of that because when you're in those kinds of situations that's how you find out who you really are and ver like versus who you want to be right um and i still get that that heart racing feeling not even just playing him just people in general that risk of of losing so it to kind of go back to the message from r and and working on tournaments i personally when i'm in a tournament and i feel my heart fluttering and i feel like i'm nervous I fully embrace it and I, I treat that like an adrenaline rush, right? Uh, some people don't work this way naturally. I wasn't like this, but think about roller coasters or any sort of scary thing that happens. Like, a, a, like you know, when you go over a, a bump in your car really fast and <laughs> your your like stomach goes into your, your chest, that kind of feeling. I fully pay attention to that and I breathe into that. I make sure I'm consciously breathing. Uh, in, in the middle of a match, I might not always remember, my breathing might get tense, but then after a round or after that, that match, um, I will take a breath. You know, I'll just stop. I'll think, I'll relax. I'll just push out anything that's not important. I make sure I actively push away any thoughts that don't have anything to do with me performing my best in this match. You know, whether it be if someone else is thinking about me, which to this part of my life, that's not really an issue. But as an example, that's something that I make sure I actively would do. Uh, usually it's just 
analyzing and making sure I'm not overanalyzing and then trying to hone in on, on one thing that I can work on uh, and making sure my mind isn't just racing with too many possibilities. I tend to be an overthinker. Um, so this this environment where you, you have to control yourself. You, you have to be present, right? It is a test. And since I don't really get to go to those often, you know, I'm like, okay, am I rusty at this? How do I do at it? You know, how, how will I do at it? And I performed well, you know, I only dropped a handful of combos. I only made a few mistakes here and there that I immediately recognized and I didn't get bothered by it or anything like that. But um, just where I am with this game for someone who kind of plays it on a casual level, um, but I, I, pl I play with a competitive mindset. I just put a casual amount of time into it, if that makes sense. So I just, I really enjoyed myself. I played a bunch of games. I got to play KOF for the first time. That was really fun. Um, I had a couple people like, oh yeah, I wanna, I wanna finally beat somebody in KOF. <laughs> uh, only to like use my legacy knowledge to actually still beat them. So, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I'm 35. I've played a lot of fighting games and I've, I've, I like to learn and learn quickly. So the people that are playing me, it's like, I can't memorize a bunch of combos, right? But I have neutral. I can play pretty good neutral. And there's characters like Robert Garcia. That's basically a Shoto. I can play a decent, you know, game without having crazy combos. So that, that was really fun to do. I, I'm just really, really happy about that. And then the same thing with playing Kareen and Street Fighter. Uh, I love hit confirming. It is like a Zen mindset to just one button into a special, into like a really hard to do combo. Uh, it is just... Being technical in just such a pure form, it's like pure technical and level of skill, uh, maybe not super creative to some extent. I think the creativity comes in the movement and the timing and stuff like that. But once you get that hit, it's all mechanical, all technical. And I love that. You're just in full control uh, and you just got to make sure you do your thing right. And the other person gets punished for throwing out a button wrong or, or blocking wrong. That, that kind of stuff is fun. Whereas Fong... He's a very creative character to me. He's like a completely creative outlet with some discipline mixed in there. So, uh, yeah, that that has been very, very great. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, of course, um, Elden Ring. My friend bought me Elden Ring, and I've been streaming that. Uh, I streamed it a lot during spring break. Uh, now that spring break's getting over, I might not get the chance to stream it as much. Uh, but I'm definitely going to stream it today after recording this podcast, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, but yeah, I, I've never been a big fan of the Dark Souls games. For those who don't know, Elden Ring is made by the same people who made Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Sekiro, uh, Shadows Die Twice. Essentially, it's like a role-playing game where you die a lot. And it's just like brutal with how hard the game is. Uh, and for the longest time, I had a different kind of mindset with these games. But I also think that this game in particular is probably one of the best ones, except for maybe Se uh, Sekiro. Uh, I think Elden Ring is just a beautiful looking game, first off. Uh, and then second, the way it plays is more open world. And you get a horse. I love any game where you get to ride a horse. That's just that's just me. I don't know. Zelda, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, what else? There's another game that gives you a horse. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, what is that game called? Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, that's another game I'm going to be streaming after this for sure. Uh, I love those kinds of games, but it's also I get to play as a samurai build. I'm um, using the samurai build if you are familiar with the game at all. Uh, and I fought this one boss like probably 50 to 60 times within two days and, and finally beat this dude and it just felt so great. Uh, I posted my reaction on Twitter. 
the, the mindset that I had getting into this, because my friend bought it, I was like, you know what, I'm going to stream it for you, buddy. I'm going to I'm gonna just play this game and just suck it up. Uh, but I went into it with a fighting game mindset where you just take your L's and you learn from your experience. You take your L's and you learn from your experience. Uh, and that's all I did, and it just, I haven't had a bad time with the game. Like, there's some times where I lose a boss fight, and I'm just like, son of a bitch. You know, pardon my French, but I'm just, I get, like, not mad, but just, you put in a lot of work, and then all of a sudden something, like, you don't, you don't get the result that you want. You're gonna have a reaction to it, but then immediately I'm like, okay, well, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? Uh, and if I get to the point to where I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna go move on to something else, then I move on to something else. There's tons to do in the game. Uh, it's so open world that you're not restricted to, to having to fight this one boss to make progress. Uh, there's one boss in particular, the one that I was talking about, his name is Margit. Margit the Omenfell? They all have crazy names. The game is wacky. It's like Guillermo del Toro made the monsters. It is insane looking. Um, but yeah, it... it it's a really fun game. There's a lot to do in it. It's not super linear, which is good. Um, it also doesn't spoon feed you. I, I personally looked up a few things just to make it easier myself because I'm not trying to, I'm trying to have a good experience. So I will look up things when I want to look up things, but I'll also uh, just play the game. And then I, this is one of the games where I don't care about spoilers or backseat gaming. So people try to give me advice and help me out. And so it's kind of interactive versus a story driven game. This game does have a really rich story. I just don't care. Uh, I'm catching it as I as I play it, but if there's spoilers, I really don't, whatever. Uh, so it's just way more interactive for me to be able to play this game and people can talk to me and share their experience and, and they want to see me beat a boss and they, they see me react and that's fun for them. Uh, so it's just, it's been a really great game to play during spring break. It came at a great time. Shouts out to Chef. Uh, I call him Chef. I've known this guy for like 20 years probably. Uh, I've never met him in person, but he's one of my best online friends. Um, I kind of fell out of touch with him when I started getting really big into personal development. I had to work on myself and I just dropped video games and the internet for a while. Uh, but he stayed a friend. We got back in touch. Uh, one of our mutual friends passed away. Someone I worked with that I kind of introduced to our like ga gaming group. Uh, last During the pandemic, he passed away. And, and so I've been reaching back out to my old gaming buddies and trying to just have fun with them, you know, like reach out to them once a week or whatever. Uh, and I I'm glad I have, because I've gotten to rekindle some friendships that I haven't experienced in a while. And because of that, I have this game now, uh, and we both play it. Um, sometimes it'll help me out. It's cooperative to some extent. So yeah, Elden Ring, if you have an extra 60 bucks, I recommend it. Otherwise, um, just waiting for it go to go on sale. I don't personally buy games. When they come out, I'm not spending 60 bucks on a video game nowadays. I got a wife and kid. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm just not. Uh, but if someone's going to buy a game from me, you're damn right I'm going to play it. And I'm going to try to enjoy it. And I definitely have been. So, again, I do recommend it if you're a big gamer and you have some extra money. Go get it. Uh, if you don't have a good level of patience and you can't lose a lot, um, on one level, this game might be good for you to help you work on that. But probably... Just avoid this game until it's really, really cheap and you want to try it out because it does look beautiful. I got it on PC. Uh, if you're interested in doing co-op, um, I might help you out or I might join your world or you can join my world depending on like how I feel. Try not to be too prideful about it. But yeah, it's a fun game. Recommend it. Check it out. Watch some videos. Watch some streamers just so you know what it's about. It looks beautiful. All right. So in another update, uh, one of the things that I, I talked about on my stream and uh, I just wanted to re-record it. I didn't feel like using my stream version of it because... Um, I've had more time with this now, and uh, this is something I had thought about for a while. I've been thinking about it. It was recommended to me by a doctor, and I said no for about a year, and recently I went back two weeks ago, almost two weeks ago, not quite two weeks, uh, but I started taking antidepressant medication, 
Uh, and I feel very conflicted about it. Like right now, I feel fine about it. You know, talking about it is a little bit harder. I'm finding myself to be more resistant to it. Uh, but for a long time, and I still believe this, I think it's important to work on yourself. So I, I've dealt with my depression with no medication my whole entire life. Uh, and I've had, you know, bouts that pop up here and there. I have avoided my whole life dealing with any sort of uh, self-harm or anything like that. Uh, I've never even really did like any cutting. I've had friends that, you know, cut themselves and stuff like that. Not to end their own life, but just to feel something, you know. I, I don't know if you guys have had that friend or I've been that person. Uh, but I, I never was. I didn't really think that was beneficial. But at the same time, there are certain kinds of people like myself who still have... Um, I don't know if this is a term that I just call it or if it's something else. But essentially like passive suicidal thoughts where it's just so it's so casual that you're used to it it's almost like a morbid sense of humor um but when you have a wife and kid it's a little bit more important and i've been talking to my wife the whole entire time she makes i make sure like if i have these sort of thoughts i share them with her um i'm very open about it with with her and and like some of my close friends as well um because I have things, mental mental techniques in place that help me manage it and make sure that I don't do anything I'm going to regret or that would affect anybody else. But at the same time, for multiple reasons, I've just been tired. I've been less motivated. I've had to push myself to do things way harder than I felt like I've ever had to push myself before. Uh, and still not being satisfied with my level of, of effort put into it. Uh, but since taking this medication... Uh, it, and it's kind of funny because there's a, a second benefit to this that I didn't get into this for... Uh, didn't take the medication for, but it just the doctor told me that it's an added benefit that it helps with people who have ADD and ADHD, and I happened to be diagnosed with ADD when I was 17. So it's funny that this one pill, uh, for the most part, does not really any negative side effects except for maybe a stomach ache right now, uh, from time to time when I take it. But uh, whether it be a placebo effect or not, you know, I'm about a week and a half into taking this, and I have to double my dosage once two weeks hit. Uh, it's fascinating seeing my mind, like, I, I pay attention to myself a lot, um, and I, I've noticed a difference, whether it be placebo effect or actually the medication taking place. Uh, it's easier for me to focus, it's easier for me to wake up in the morning. Usually when I wake up in the morning, it's like a waking dream for about an hour or two. It's like my dream is still happening in my head, but now when I wake up, it's like, I had a dream and now I'm awake. And now I can just get up and go do my thing. It, it is so hard to articulate the difference. Um, but I'm just, I'm glad that I've worked myself for so long. Because I don't want to be dependent on any sort of medication. But I am glad that I'm here taking this now. Because I'm able to recognize and appreciate what this pill seems to be doing for me. And uh, I'm supposed to notice the full effects within a month. So I probably will revisit this topic and just talk about it because there might be other people out there who are struggling with depression um, where medication might help. But I'm, of course, going to still talk about person development stuff so that hopefully, you know, this is a new experience for me, but hopefully when, if and when it comes to the place where I don't have to take this medication anymore, uh, I already still have the mental discipline in, in place to take care of myself and make sure I maintain this. Because uh, for me personally, in order for me to not be super depressed or to fall into the trap or not let myself interact with my depression and continue to do what I need to get done, um, there's certain criteria. I need to work out. I need to meditate. I need to um, do things that are fun for me. I need to learn and, and, and grow, like see some sort of growth. Those are criteria that I've recognized in myself 
that brings me joy, that brings me fulfillment, and helps me avoid this state where I just don't feel like life really matters. Uh, so I want to make sure that as I'm on this, one, I'm being completely transparent. Because for me, it almost feels like a cop-out to do this. So I think it's incredibly important for me to be transparent about me taking something that's affecting my mindset and my mood. Maybe not my mindset, but more so my mood. Uh, I haven't, I don't know enough about this for sure. I asked the doctor a bunch of questions um, and he, he had a limited amount of answers. I don't think he knew as much about it or wasn't expecting me to ask as many questions. Um, so I may have to talk to a pharmacist or something like that to get more clarity on it because I, I like knowing what I'm taking. I like to know what the heck I'm putting into my body. And so as a listener, I think it's also important for you to know what I'm taking. Um, you know, like... I think it's important for me to clarify that I'm taking an antidepressant because if I'm just randomly way more happier, it's like it's like those models that say, oh yeah, you know, if you do this lifestyle, you're gonna be in shape. But they're they're taking like liposuction and, and, and surgery and stuff like that. That's not you're not being authentic. So uh, maybe taking medication might be helpful for you. I'm again I'm 35, I've lived a lot of life and I've worked myself for a long time. Um, but that doesn't mean that someone younger than me can take it. Um, so I just, I want to have that clarity. Uh, it's kind of hard to talk about, but I, I, I truly believe that transparency is the best thing in this kind of situation. Um, and I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, it's a little bit hard for me to talk about. Maybe it's a little embarrassing. I don't know if, I don't think shame is anywhere in there. But yeah, so, you know, if you have any experience with antidepressants, if it's something that you've taken, um, I'd love to hear more about that and have that conversation, whether it be, you know, digital or, or uh, have a voice call or something like that. Uh, I, I'm still new to this. I've never really been a big pharmaceutical kind of guy. Um, I'm not anti-vaccine or anything like that, but uh, from my point of view, you know, you, you take care of your body, your body takes care of you. Uh, and I have, since this pandemic, not done a great job of taking care of myself. And so um, I need some supplements that are going to help my emotions. And uh, so that's, that's where I'm at at this point. So I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Um, but now I have kind of like a a little bit of an aid to help me along that journey. Okay, so moving on to things that I'm listening to right now. The the main thing has been Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. At this point, I'm on chapter 24. Uh, Harry has the egg, has already defeated the dragon, or, or gotten the egg from the dragon, is trying to figure out how that works. Uh, and I gotta say, there's, there's just so much more in the book than in the movie. Again... I'm not hating on the movie because I read the book. I'm not trying to become a snob, but I do think that comparing the two is fun to talk about, right? And I'm glad that I'm getting into this because I get to appreciate a, a story that I liked just from the movies. Uh, but seeing the source material or listening to the source material has been very enjoyable. You know, I, I do like the world of Harry Potter. It's very messed up. There's a lot of plot holes here and there. Um... But it's fun. It's a fun story. It's it's very interesting. Again, I don't really get into the politics of J.K. Rowling. I know a lot of people have one way or another about things that she said or, or people believing that she said things. But in terms of Harry Potter, you know, I've watched the Magical Beast movies, um, at least the first two. I think there's only two right now. And then there's a third one with Mads Mikkelsen. This guy has changed. This Grindelwald guy. Every single movie has been a different actor. <laughs> um... Oh, actually, in, in a second, I'll talk about another movie that has a Grindelwald actor in it. But uh, yeah, so I, I have been listening to the Harry Potter Goblet of Fire book. I really enjoy it. Um, I also, so a friend of mine 
you know, he listens to the podcast as well and recommended me to get an app uh, for listening to the Bible because I had recently talked about atheist versus Christian debates. For those who don't know, um, I'm a basic, I think the term is atheist agnostic. Uh, I have no intentions of ever getting back into religion, but I grew up Christian and I wanted to read the Bible as an adult. When I was younger, I went to church a lot. Um, I had read like children's Bibles. We had like a whole collection of hardback uh, stories like, uh, uh, like Moses and the whale one. Was it Jonah? I, I, I don't know. There's a couple of them. But I just wanted to re-listen to the audiobook. Or I wondered if there's an audiobook. So he recommended an app. But then I was like, wait a minute. I wonder if Audible has it for free. <laughs> and sure enough, it definitely did. So... Um, I, I got it on Audible. I have it acquired. I haven't. I started listening to Genesis, but I'm gonna wait until I finish Harry Potter because it sounds like something I'm really gonna want to analyze. Um, I don't think I'll talk about it too much on here. I might do some YouTube videos on it because I don't want to get too deep into talking about religion on my podcast. Because um, I, I also don't want to offend people either. So people who already listen to this, um, I don't want to throw that too much in there. But I just want to kind of bring up the topic of it uh, because I, I have a certain viewpoint about the Bible that. You know, it, it can be helpful to people, but I just don't take it literally. You know, that's just my viewpoint on the Bible is that I don't, I don't take it literal. Uh, I don't think most of those things happen in there. If you happen to believe that, that's pro that's totally fine too. Um, but I just, I'm so curious about it. I really want to listen to it and, and see. Um, so I have the King James version for people who are curious. I'm probably going to get other versions of it as well. So I might wind up getting that app because it seems like that it has different versions of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's something that I'm looking forward to is just paying attention to that and, and seeing, rereading something as an adult that had a huge impact on my life as a kid um, and kind of just analyzing it from a more objective standpoint here now. I, I guess subjective too, you know, because there's going to be interpretations from my point of view. I'm going to have my own interpretations or what other people seem to be interpreting. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a fascinating journey and I, I would like to talk about it, uh, but I also know it's a very tense subject that people don't always know how to talk about. Uh, I have known a lot of Christian people. I grew up in Michigan, or I grew up in Alabama, I should say, from like 14 to 25, 24. Uh, so I lived in the Bible Belt. There are people, whether you know this or not, for people who are more on the atheist or just non-Christian side, uh, there are certain kinds of Christians that just can't think outside of the Christian worldview. And as such, you know, they have a very limited worldview where their mind just can't perceive information that isn't revolving around the Bible. It's hard to explain. If you've experienced it, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, then uh, good for you. Uh, but some people just, they can't think outside the Bible and it, it boggles my brain. Uh, but I know tons of cool Christians. Uh, the one that recommended this to me is a very, very cool, oh, he's not a Christian. Not a Christian. <laughs> uh, I think I think the uh, correct thing would be Catholic. Uh, so sorry, I don't want to get that. I don't want to misquote that. But either way, thank you. And then also, I look forward to that. But uh, I was going to mention this earlier. Me and my wife went to go see The Batman with uh, Edward Cullen from Twilight. Also the guy from... Oh, oh, yeah, he was from The Goblet of Fire as well. So <laughs> uh, what the heck is his name? Robert Patterson. Robert Patterson. Uh, so if you don't know this, he was actually the Hufflepuff kid from the, the Wizard of Fire that got killed. He was um, Cedric Diggory. So that, I think that was kind of funny because I didn't really see that tie uh, in Goblet of Fire in this. But also uh, Grindelwald in the first one is uh, portrayed portrays the Penguin, Oswald Copperpot, Oz Copperpot or Copper something. Um, oh, what is his name? Colin Farrell. 
Colin Farrell. I think it's Colin Farrell. I gotta look this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Colin Farrell. You know, I'll tell you what. Uh, I did not know that I, it did not look like Colin Farrell at all to me. And then even after being told it was Colin Farrell, I'm looking at a picture of, of, of the penguin right now. I still didn't know that it was Colin Farrell. Uh, but overall, the movie was really good. I gotta say, the movie was great. Uh, I enjoyed it. I think it was kind of fun. It was very dark uh, and very brutal. The The Batmobile was badass. It didn't look anything like a Batmobile, but the car was badass. I'm a big muscle car fan. Uh, I like different kinds of cars. I like imports as well, but I do like my muscle cars. And this this car just instilled fear. It, it looked like it instilled fear in people. It was badass. It was like somewhere between, um, oh, what are those drag race cars with the jet engines? I don't know if you've ever seen those. I used, I, I used to go to drag race tracks all the time as a kid. Um, and they would bring out, when once it got dark, they would bring out these drag race cars that had a jet engine literally strapped to it. And it just had this turbine winding engine. So it had like a combination of, of these jet cars mixed with like, you know, a, just a, a really badass muscle car, car like sound to it as well. So it just had like this satisfying sound if you're a car fan. Um, and it just looked like, like it could destroy somebody. <laughs> uh, I really think uh, Robert Patterson did a good job. There were times where I felt like he was inspired by uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and Spider-Man 3. He very much looked like emo Spider-Man from time to time. Like he was about to just bust out a dance and start dancing on us. Right? <laughs> um, but he, he didn't he didn't have that kind of mindset. He just, you know, he looked very brooding. Uh, and I, I liked the portrayal of it. It was fun. You know, I, I don't, I think the movie's getting good reviews right now. I haven't really looked at any, um... I haven't seen any reviews that don't like like it yet. I haven't gone out my way to look at it. I think the funniest kind of review of the movie is um, a series called Pitch Meeting. I love the Pitch Meeting series. They actually have their own YouTube now, uh, YouTube channel. They used to be on Screen Rant and now they're on their own channel. So I would say if you're on the fence about seeing Batman, I would recommend it before they pull it from the theaters. Uh, whenever that may happen, uh, they'll put it on, on streaming as well. But I think it's a good theater, theater experience. We haven't been to the theater in a little bit. Uh, we used to go a lot more, but since the pandemic hit, we haven't gone as much. And uh, one of the, our favorite theaters also closed down like right before the pandemic hit, and that really sucked. Um, probably a year before the pandemic hit. It was called the Alamo. Kind of a bummer. Really great. They had good, good food and drinks, you know, and they would bring the food out to you. So you could order whatever you wanted, and they would just bring it right to you. You had like these really comfortable chairs. I really missed that theater. Uh, same theater, the same building is now owned by AMC, but it's not the same. It's like, it's just not the same. Anyways, I digress. Um, let's let's get into these main topics. All right. So for those who may or may not know, I just want to briefly bring this up. I don't really want to talk about it too much because I think that. Um, this is standard stuff for me and I just want to hit some points and I will post links so that you can check it out on your own. But essentially there are these tournament license agreements. So tournament organizers, people who are hosting tournaments, um, they, in order to use the IP of a game developer for certain kinds of games like Riot's League of Legends and Valorant, um, Overwatch, they, they have this contract that you have to apply for, this application you have to apply for to use their tournament and there are restrictions within it. Uh, and Capcom came out with one specifically for Street Fighter V, uh, and I'm sure it's going to extend to Street Fighter VI. I think they said specifically Street Fighter V, but they're probably drafting it up now and working on it 
to prepare for Street Fighter 6, which they already announced. Street Fighter 5 is, it like, it's already on its way out. Uh, they're going to be announcing and showing more of Street Fighter 6 uh, this summer, probably at EVO. That's my prediction. They haven't said when. It is said summer 2020. 2022, excuse me. I'm two years behind. Jesus. <sighs> But yeah, a lot of people in the FGC are just not happy with this whatsoever. And there are some people that I feel like are overreacting and, and don't even know what they're talking about. And there are other people that I think this legitimately affects. Uh, the main things that I want to bring up are the fact that they have really terrible cap on the prize pools. So essentially, nor normal terminology is you, you can only have so much winnings for players in a tournament in, uh, in one tournament specifically, and then so much given out from all of your tournaments throughout a whole entire year. For Capcom, it is 2,000 for any individual tournament and 10,000 for the whole entire year. And that's incredibly low. And my concern with that is the fact that the FGC already has a stigma that it's very poverty, okay? Uh, it's like, you know, broke, it's very grassroots. Some people love that aspect of it, that it's very grassroots. I, I like that aspect of it, but there are tons of people who have been putting a lot of time and effort into these tournaments, uh, tournament, or, like organizing it and, and competing in them, that I think this is hurting, you know? Um, because there are a lot of players that this is basically their career and sponsors pay them to go out there or they, they spend their own money to go and compete and, and make money off these winnings. Uh, by doing this, for people who are specifically competing in Street Fighter, and probably only Street Fighter, they're limiting how much money they can make outside of tournament sanctioned, uh, outside of Capcom sanctioned tournaments. So, if if it's a tournament like Kyle Raker or Evo or CEO Frosty Faustings, they have to have a cap, a hard cap of two thousand dollars in payouts. And I don't think that's just for like first place. I think that's total. Um, they're working on revising this. They made an announcement saying they're revising the agreement because it's very vague in a lot of ways and people are trying to talk about it. Uh, I'm also going to have a link to Ultra David's breakdown. If you don't know, Ultra David is also a lawyer on top of being a commentator and uh, an analyst for fighting games. Um, uh, there, there are some people who are annoyed at it because he, he is technically employed by Capcom, but this, in my opinion, the breakdown does seem pretty unbiased. He got called out for some stuff and, and added some more things saying that he was paid by Capcom. Most people already knew that, but he, you know, he clarified that after being called out for it. But nonetheless, it's going to be there. That's the closest thing we have to somebody in the, uh, the FGC who's a lawyer that can break this down and kind of talk about it. But again, it is very vague. I will have a link to the license as well so you can look at it. If you're a tournament organizer, I highly recommend that you apply for this. I'm going to be applying for it as well just to make sure that I'm covering, you know, crossing my T's and dotting my I's. We're not going to hit this cap. It's not going to affect me for the most part in any kind of way. I might have to work on my branding a little bit more because there are specific branding things that you have to do. Uh, but the average individual is not going to hurt. But for people like Combo Breaker, Evo, NLBC, these weekly tournaments that might get a lot of money from paying out from Match Arena, which again, it's a very vague, we don't know if Match Arena and stuff like crowdfunded prize pools technically count towards it or not. Um, and you know, also charging admission for events because of the nature of fighting game tournaments is going to be very hard to challenge a tournament organizer for charging for spectating these games because they have so many, I like so many games 
that they're covering is not specifically just for Street Fighter V, so they can't really regulate that kind of thing. So there's going to be loopholes for tournament organizers to deal with some of the crap that they have to deal with, uh, but it's also just incredibly stupid. I personally think that Capcom must have a lot of confidence in their own tournaments. What you see a lot of times is when you have these kinds of agreements, it's because they already these game developers already have their own tournaments and their own leagues. Like League of Legends, they have uh, LCS, you know, champion, uh, League of Legends Championship Series. You have Overwatch League or OWL. Um, you have these tournaments that have tons of payouts for it. So it's they already have that kind of control. But the FGC, the fighting game community, already has this pre-existing culture of hosting their own tournaments. It's very for us, by us kind of mentality. Um, and then Street Fighter has the Capcom Pro Tour. But they also have Street Fighter League, which a lot of people don't seem to bring up Street Fighter League when they talk about the money that uh, circulates within Capcom and the winnings in, in their tournaments. Because Street Fighter League is completely different from CPT, the Capcom Pro Tour. Um, so I, I think that they have a lot of confidence in that, and they're probably going to be putting more, investing more time and money into these kinds of leagues, maybe doing something bigger, uh, doing more team, uh, doing more teams. I really think they're pushing more towards Street Fighter League as well. Uh, I could be wrong, but I, I think they're trying to do more with teams rather than just one-on-one -on -one games because team games tend to get more attention. If you look at any other game, uh, Rocket League, League of Legends, Valorant, Overwatch, they get more views than the average fighting game. So I think that's why they're getting into this. Um, again, it doesn't affect me personally too much. I just have to make sure I cross my T's and dot my I's. And again, I urge you guys, you uh, tournament organizers, to do the same thing. So, that said, let's move on to our last topic of the day. So, our last topic is the unfun part of esports. Uh, as you guys know, I, I have four jobs. The main two that I'll talk about today are going to be, you know, my, my college esports. And uh, again, I'm on spring break, so this is a good time to get some spring cleaning, so to speak, done with the computers. Uh, I got done from the arena today and um, the other day as well. And just, I had to update 32 graphics cards on all the PCs, you know, uh, for some reason, somehow. Uh, I'm not IT, but... I have the mindset that if I can do something and do it faster, then I'm just going to go ahead and get it done. And so I have to preface a lot of what I'm going to talk about with the fact that we do have some IT. Uh, they do support us. They <laughs> they have an employee who transferred to a different department, so they're down a man. I basically have two people that can help us, and they support a whole bunch of other departments as well. Uh, and I also have to submit a, a work order when, anytime I have an issue, and I, I just feel like... A lot of this is incredibly time consuming. I can do a lot of this on my own. It is not in my job description to do this kind of stuff, but I'm not gonna wait a week for you to update my graphics cards when I can just do it myself uh, and get paid to do it. So, you know, I sat there, I updated 32 graphics cards because they had never been updated for some reason. Um, in the past, I guess our IT just never thought to update the graphics cards. Some of the issues that we've been having with production and, and the videos may have been because of this. So if this fixes some issues, then great. Um, I, had, I also had to fix some other stuff, like uh, there is a program called GG Leap that some of these computers have, the, the 32 PCs, and uh, it just wasn't working properly. So I had to reach out to customer support for the program, they had to walk me through some stuff, the first person couldn't really help me and assess what the issue was, and then the other person found the workaround and then, you know, remote logged into two or three of the PCs and fixed those, and then I was like, okay, 
I'm, I can just do this myself. What do I need to do? Like, how do I fix this, right? That's just how I am. Tell me how to do it so that I have the knowledge. Um, I think that's why I have so much job security is because I, I learn how to fix everything myself. Uh, even if I have to eventually pass it on and delegate it to somebody else, I just have a lot of knowledge up here because I just troubleshoot stuff. I Google things. I try to figure out how to fix stuff if no one else knows how to do it. And I'm not gonna wait a week for someone else to go do it, submit a work order and just sit here and wait and deal with this issue when I can just figure it out myself. So yeah, I, I, I've been sitting here and working on these PCs and just restarting them and trying out things and Googling stuff, but then finally got all that fixed and uh, it feels good. It's very boring work, so I was listening to podcasts. Normally when I'm doing esports stuff, I, I, I can't, I'm watching video games where I'm managing people and delegating, so I can't really listen to podcasts or watch youtube videos but for a lot of this i just had you know i was listening to harry potter um or listening to some of my atheist uh, christian debates <laughs> um and just getting this done and then also talking to tech support and trying to talk do all that and it's just uh it's not very fun it's not very beautiful you know i've got to sit down and um i'm gonna make some overlays for our production as well you, i got photoshop work i know i know how to do photoshop and how to make things simple and minimalistic i don't know how to do all the fancy things I do, but it's more time consuming. But uh, I can make some minimalist overlays and, and make some things look nice. And then I also have to put it into the program called vMix and, and get that ready for production and delegate that. Um, so yeah, a lot of times when you're working in the esports industry, what I recommend, depending on if it's a physical or remote location, uh, to turn this into some advice, you got to do more than what you're asked. You you have to be willing to learn more than anybody else around you. If you want to be valuable, if you want to actually get a paid job in the esports industry, you got to understand that you, know, you need to know more than everybody else around you, or you have to at least be able to do more than most of the people around you. Okay, so to understand, like to break this down, I know how to make overlays. I know how to run multiple programs that are streaming like OBS, Streamlabs, OBS, vMix. I know how to commentate multiple games to a decent degree. I know how to be professional and present myself and talk to non-gamers. I know how to talk to gamers as well. I know how to learn games and mechanics very quickly. Um, I can learn games and play games and compete at a decent degree for most games, um, including Rocket League. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say Rocket League is probably one of my worst games, even though I coach it. Uh, me playing it mechanically, I'm still trying to work on that. I just, it's a time-consuming thing. You got to put time into it. Uh, but League of Legends, I can understand to a decent degree. Uh, most shooters, I'm okay at. Uh, I think I'm trash at them, but I'm okay. Um, Halo, I'm okay at. I'm actually pretty good in Halo, apparently. But I, I can play multiple games. I can also teach people how to do things, which is incredibly important. I also know how to analyze people emotionally and logically and break down what they're doing. So when I'm either commentating or I'm coaching or I'm just talking about business, I can break down things because I've talked to people for so much. I have a lot of skills that I've acquired over the years, and that's something I really recommend you do. Learn and do more and be able to, to know more than most of the people around you, and you're always gonna be more valuable than the people around you. Uh, I don't say that to be arrogant, but I've worked for a long time. You know, I have my bachelor's in animation and game design. I've worked in GameStop and sales for six years. I've done commentary, I've written articles uh, for game reviews for several different websites and had some really good hits on those. You know, I've been making content for years and podcasting and talking and, and public speaking. Uh, these are all skills that I've developed that I sucked at, I was trash at before, and I had to get better at it. So uh, again, I'm not the best at any of these things, but it's kind of like a lot of people say, you know, be master a skill. And I think there's a lot of truth to it. So I, I'm not saying this is the only way, because I want to clarify this and make sure that I'm, I'm cautious with how I word this. 
one of the ways, the way that worked for me, especially if you're the kind of person that has multiple interests anyway, you can be a jack of many trades and a master of none and be successful and grow. I still recommend you specialize in something specific so that you you have value in a very specific area. But when you get that job or that opportunity, you make sure that you do that job first. And then when you do that job and you're doing it well, your free time or extra time goes towards learning other skills within that field, right? Um, if you're already good at one thing and you can really hone in on it, this isn't for you. You already have your niche, you're good at it, you can do it. I don't need to give you advice. But again, if you're struggling to figure out what you wanna do, just pick one, get into that field, and then once you have that door open for you, you can kind of just learn whatever they're willing to do. Because most people, most esports organization, most esports organizations are understaffed. Okay, uh, schools that start esports programs don't understand how much employees need to actually be there to run the program. So you're going to have opportunities. You just got to make sure you respect people, respect your boundaries, and you don't get overworked. That's more likely to happen. But if you're willing to do the work, you're young, you're willing to grind or, you know, whatever it may be, you have a lot of energy. I, I think that's a really good thing to do. I think that's really uh, beneficial for you. Another unfun thing I want to talk about is having to be an authority, you know, being authority to other coworkers, to be having to be an authority to students sometimes. I got a couple of stories in particular that I'm going to talk about. Um, but again, it's not, I'm not trying to shame anybody. So I'm going to you know keep it anonymous. One thing to know about me is that I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Uh, a lot of people just need to learn and make and grow from their mistakes. But there are some people when you give them an inch, they take a mile and working in the esports industry and working with college students. So working with college gamers, sometimes not everyone appreciates what they have or know what they have or know how to control themselves you know and and some of it is having to tell your peers to like where the line is making sure again kind of on the opposite end if people are overworking you making sure that you tell people no uh i i know my value and there are sometimes when people want to take advantage of that and my personal sanity my 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 personal health comes first so learning how to tell people no is incredibly important and I've, I've had to make sure to clarify that sometimes people want to joke with you or say things and um, if you're not that kind of person you just have to learn to you know i don't know if being an authority is the right term but learning to stand your ground learning to say what you feel in and telling people where your line is is incredibly important but also um sometimes with students you can't always be nice right? Um, as a coach, there are times where you need to tell a kid to shut up and listen. And this is how it's going to be. I had um, a couple of kids, they're not my students, um, but they were there getting really mad and yelling and talking, you know, they were playing their tournament match in a game. And they were just complaining, oh, this is laggy, oh, this person did this, oh man, why don't you go like yelling at their teammates, yelling at their opponents, yelling at the lag, yelling at everything, right? Just blaming everything. And I gave them one morning, I said, hey, Y'all got to calm it down. Another coach talked to me and said, hey, you should handle this. You know, these kids are like linebackers. They're some big kids. They're, you know, not my height, but they're pretty big kids. And so, uh, and unfortunately, they don't have a coach. Now, if I, if I, if this was my program, there wouldn't be a team. Like there wouldn't be a varsity team with no coach, but this isn't my program. I'm not running it. I'm just 
helping out and being a coach. So after their game was done, because I waited, I waited for their game to be done. I'm not going to pull them in the middle of a game, at least not this time. And I pulled the captain aside, who was like a student coach. You know, he's a player, coach, um, student. And pulled him aside and said, hey, I understand that you're frustrated and, and this and that, but you got to get your team together. All right. And he proceeded to start making excuses. And I was like, look, I understand you're a student, you're a coach, and you're a captain. You're doing all this stuff. But that's on you. And like he started saying, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a coach anymore. I'm just a captain and doing this. And it's so hard because I have finals. And then I'm like, look, quiet. I said, is somebody forcing you on this team? Is somebody holding you against your will? Is there, is there somebody on this team that's holding against their will? Like, who, who here is forcing you to be on this team? He's like, nobody. You know, looking kind of confused. I'm like, right. This was voluntary. You signed up for this. You know what you're getting into. You know that this game has issues. You know that your opponent's better than you. I don't care what excuses you have. You're responsible for your team. You have the option of getting your team together and doing these things, or we can handle this another way, right? We can we can talk to the, our boss, or you can talk to the head cap, the coach. Um, next time this happens, I'm pulling you all out and talking to the whole entire team and making sure everyone that's involved in this gets it together. Um, if you guys don't listen after that, y'all can go outside. Y'all can leave. And I don't like being that kind of person. And, and for some people, that's like, oh, that's not a big deal. That's not even that mean. For other people, it's like they couldn't even get themselves to bring that up. And uh, again, I'm a big guy, so I think that I'm not intimidated by any of the students there. Um, I, I've grown up with people bigger than me. I've grown up with, you know, bullies and stuff like that. I, I'm not afraid of anybody at this point in my life, right? Um, so that wasn't even on my mind. There are times where, for some people, if you don't know how to be assertive, people can talk you out of your assertiveness. They can they can talk you out of it with empathy or something like that. They can, they can give you a story, a, a sob story, and you start missing what your point is because you're too busy trying to be empathetic to them. And there are some people out there that need to hear this and, and understand that you can be empathetic to someone's situation, but still tell them they need to get their shit together, right? You, you sometimes have to stand your ground and be like, look, this is a situation you put yourself in. And here are the parameters. You're not going to yell. You're not going to slam desks. You're not going to berate your teammates. Uh, and your team, you're not going to allow your teammates to do any of this either. Because it wasn't really him. It was one of his players. But I'm trying to make sure I, I, I personally, I'm personally trying to respect the chain of command. Uh, this is a student, uh, and I'm trying to I'm, gonna, I'm trying to give him a learning opportunity. Right? My logic is here is someone who has taken responsibility. I am going to make sure that he is a person that fixes this issue. If he doesn't fix this issue the next time I'm there, then I fix the issue. And if I don't fix the issue, then you know I'll get, again, this isn't my program, so I'm not going to make the final call. But I'm going to share what my suggestion is and whatever that captain does after that, I'm going to be like, okay. But if on my watch, I do see these things, they're getting kicked out. That's, that's something I can do that I've been given the liberty to do. Uh, I might not be able to ban disband them or anything like that. Not saying that I would, but within my power, they don't need to be there distracting the rest of the players, distracting my players and distracting me. Um, great kids. I think all the kids that I'm talking about right now, they're good, but you, you gotta have integrity. You gotta stick to what you believe in. And, um, for the people that listen to this, that don't always know how to be assertive, 
that are shy, again, it has to do with getting out of your comfort zone. But in these kinds of situations, it's important to have a very fine, very visible idea of what the rules are, what you're going to tolerate, and what you won't tolerate, and making sure that regardless of what people say, that you understand and stay true to that. Uh, there might be some wiggle room here and there, and that's per person. But a lot of times you got to learn how to recognize excuses in people and when that is totally irrelevant from what you're saying. Uh, it's not fun. It's not fun being that person to be like, you got to do this thing because I said so because I'm the authority figure. I never like people who are like, do this because I said so. And the thing that I'm concerned about is that this person may not fully ever understand what the heck I meant or what I was saying. Uh, and, and that would be a shame. But, you know, in the future I'll find out and maybe I'll give an update on that as well. Uh, keep it vague, of course. But yeah, I, I think it's important to learn how to be an authority, to learn how to be authoritative, to learn how to be assertive, right? It might not be someone that is your superior, or I mean, your, your, um, I can't think of the term, someone who is a less status than you. You're, you're in charge of them, right? It might not be like that. It might be a peer, it might be a friend, it might be a family member, uh, but you recognize something or you recognize that someone agreed to do something and they're not actually doing it, it's important to have integrity and hold them to that standard. It's important to hold them accountable for what they're doing uh, and making sure that you are clear about that. Uh, sometimes you're put in that situation and you gotta hold firm. Uh, and so hopefully that is helpful for you. Um, that said, the last thing I wanna mention, of course, uh, all the social medias. You can follow me on there. I should have links down below. Of course, I talked about this earlier. I got to actually plug this during the time of talking about audiobooks, but you can go to tvnapier.com slash audible and uh, get you a free month of audible. If you're interested in audiobooks, I highly recommend it. The first option is the plus version where you can go and you have access to their plus catalog. So there's tons of books on there, almost like Netflix that you can listen to that's already on there. I talked about Viridian Gate Online as one of those books. Uh, <laughs> if you wanna get the Bible, that's one of the books as well, if you're interested in listening to the Bible. Uh, or you can get the version that I have. I've had this version, sheesh, for like 10 years. It's called. It's been called different names, but it's called the Premium Plus version now. This one gets you access to the catalog as well, but it also gets you a title of your choice, a free, book token, I guess I'd call it. Uh, and you also get exclusive discounts on different books as well, up to 30%. Uh, so that's really, really awesome. I normally just buy one book a month with the token. Um, and then I check out some of the free books as well. Now that I've realized that that was a thing a couple of months ago with the Viridian Gate Online. <laughs> um, but you check that out. If you wind up keeping it, if you wind up actually wanting to pay for the service, that's when I actually get something out of it. Otherwise, it's no harm, no foul. You try it out, you don't like it, you don't keep it. Uh, but if you do wind up liking it, and it's something that you want to invest in, then I actually get a little bit of money from it on the side, which really helps me out and keeps this whole thing going. So either way, we both benefit. Uh, and yeah, I appreciate you guys for your support. Thank you so much. Again, my name is the philosopher, Tavian Napier, whatever you want to call me. Uh, reach out to me. Let me know what you think. I'd love to know more about what you guys thought about this episode in the comments down below, or feel free to reach out to me on the social media links. Thank you guys so much. And as always, I will see you all in the next one.